This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, fam. Welcome to another episode of Making Shift Happen. Today, we're talking about plyometrics and why they're important, why the heck you should include them in your training, and then also the how. Because sometimes all too often people will tell you why, 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 and what, what, what. And then there's no implementation plan. And I want you to make shift happen. It's the whole reason I've named my business the what it is and the whole reason I've named this podcast what it is. Because again, knowledge, knowledge is great. It's fantastic. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy to understand the why. But you have to take action, right, friend? Okay, so today, plyometrics. This is one of my favorite ways to train, uh, especially for cyclists, but really for all of the athletes that I train, whether they're runners, um, cyclists themselves, mountain bikers, gravel cyclists, road cyclists, doesn't really matter what the domain is that you like to ride bikes, just matters that you like to ride bikes because bikes generate power, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, and then also my triathletes and multi-sport athletes and iron men and iron women, all of these folks need some form of power in their training. All right. And today we'll talk about it. All right. Plyometrics. What the heck are they? First of all, plyometrics are basically a jump. They're a movement that involves some sort of explosivity in your body while you're trying to lift something. Generally speaking, lift your body weight for the most part. They are usually just body weight only or lightweight or, you know, maybe you are doing a plyometric with a barbell or some dumbbells or a trap deadlift or whatever you want to call it, um, a hex bar for the, you know, hex bar or trap bar, they're they're interchangeable. They're the same thing. It doesn't really matter if you use any type of implements. I mean, hell, I've even been known to use landmines for some plyometric work, but what ultimately matters is that there's generally, generally speaking, an explosive movement in your body somehow, whether that's with a jump or even a clapping push-up, that is technically also a plyometric movement. But for today's podcast episode, I'm generally going to be talking about mostly jumping and things that involve your legs because we are cyclists and that is going to be our general, uh, you know, source of power and just energy. Okay. Now, the reason why plyometrics are important to include in your training is because plyo training helps to increase the power output of your muscles. It works to increase the force that you can that you can generate in your muscle contractions with while also with the with less energy consumption. And that's really what you want. You want the ability to, you know, exhibit more force or apply more force, right? But then use less energy, which is really awesome because then that saves you energy, right? which is fantastic come race day or event day or even your weekend ride day with your friends. Now, plyo training and all of this work to increase your force and power and things like that, all of that results in faster speed of your muscle contractions or your overall speed in general, which is fantastic because again, when you're on the bike, speed is your friend, generally speaking, all right? What I also like about plyo training is that it can it can also increase your proprioception or 
basically your awareness of your body in space. All right. You know, martial artists are fantastic at knowing they're having awareness of their body in space. So are dancers, people like that gymnasts. They're, they're just really phenomenal at knowing how their body moves in space. Bikers, we tend to be as well, especially mountain bikers, because we tend to be a little bit more dynamic on our bike, uh, as do gravel cyclists. I mean, don't get me wrong, road cyclists as well, but generally speaking, the only obstacles road cyclists will exhibit, you know, experience are other cars, unfortunately, potholes, road debris, you know, maybe other riders having to, to get out in front of them, things like that versus gravel cyclists, which are going to experience a little bit more rough road, rough terrain. And then of course, mountain biking, mountain bikers rather will experience generally speaking the roughest terrain. Okay. So that of course requires you to be a little bit more dynamic on your bike, you know, and, and you moving around on your saddle and moving around on your bike because you're just trying to move your energy around on your bike and move your center of gravity around on your bike to surmount any obstacles and things like that. Basically to keep the rubber side down on your bike. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, with that increase in proprioception, it can make you a better cyclist overall. It will just give you greater body awareness as well as improve your ability to change directions quickly, which, which we basically call agility in athletics or in exercise science. Okay. And even though I understand, I wholeheartedly understand that biking is a sport that has you going in one direction, which is generally forward. You have to remember that point that I just made. We are dynamic on the saddle based on the train that we're on and we need power in order to take on a climb or any steep terrain, or to get up and over obstacles and to generate more watts to go faster for shorter sprints, and even for longer distances. You even need more power and more watt, at, watt the ability to put out more watts when you're trying to overtake a lead in a race, or you're trying to get in front of your buddy if you are in a pace line. So these are all fantastic opportunities for you to see the importance of having power and the importance of plyometric training, Okay. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea that although biking is very much one dimension, like in terms of you going straight and you going forward, please know that there are going to be some nuances to your cycling that is going to help. And, and, and you know, having plyometric training rather is going to help with that. Okay. So plyo training, I will say it doesn't only increase the power output for you. It also helps you learn how to absorb the power that you generate. And this is something that is all too often missed. And it was 100% missed in the articles and other journals and things like that, that I read because they didn't really talk about the actual absorption of power when they were discussing plyo training, when I was researching for this episode, which to me, I found very astounding, quite honestly. So I wanted to spend a moment to talk about that because with plyo training, yes, you're trying to be explosive. You're really trying to open up your hips, for example, open up your knees just with a velocity, with a force, right? But you're you're also trying to learn how to land properly. When landing in a plyometric movement that is more squat-based, for example, be sure to stick the landing and land softly and in control. The keys there are to land softly and in control. Don't rush it. Plyometrics aren't really meant to be rushed 100% of the time. They can be, 
but not 100% of the time. Because again, we want to learn how to absorb the power that you're generating because that, that is what's going to make you an extremely powerful athlete. You being able to generate the power, but then you being able to absorb it and contain it. That is a powerful athlete in my opinion. So when it comes to landing, I really suggest trying to land with your feet relatively flat. Your heels might be a little elevated and that's fine. And the key here is to not solely land on the balls of your feet. Your weight generally should be fairly balanced on your feet. And when you land, imagine if someone was next to you and they, they try to push you over. They should be unsuccessful at trying to push you over. You should have a good base. That means you shouldn't be landing narrow unless it's called for in the training, which is unlikely. You should be landing with your feet, generally speaking, between hip and shoulder width apart. Now, of course, there are going to be some variations with plyometric training. There are going to be things that are going to include stagger stance or B stance or whatever you want to call it, and maybe even lunges. So your feet will be staggered, but please know that you're not on a tightrope here. Okay. You're not on a high wire. Your feet shouldn't be, you know, on a tightrope or look like they're on a tightrope. They shouldn't be narrow. They should look like they're, they're kind of on railroad tracks instead. All right. Cause again, you want to maintain your feet distance relatively speaking, to be between hip and shoulder width apart. And again, you know, I actually posted on Instagram recently a plyo movement that I like to use or more of like an absorption movement that I like to use. And that's depth jumps. I love depth jumps. And I'll talk about them in a moment. And there's something that I regularly include in my training program, especially in Shred Strong and other training programs that I do for a variety of clients that I have all over the States and Canada. Um, But... They're fantastic because they teach you how to absorb the energy, absorb your power. And I showcased a a movement that is primarily for my cyclists that I train for, and that's the stagger stance depth jump, where you are landing off of a box at least 12 inches high. And I think in in the video, for the sake of the video, I was doing maybe an 18 to 20 inch box jump or depth jump rather. And you're sticking the landing, but you're in a stagger stance. And what's cool is that stagger stance actually mimics the same foot stance that you're going to be on, on your bike, because your feet are never lined up, you know, right next to one another, right? When you're on the bike, they're always offset. And this offset foot landing really helps, especially for those riders that I'm I'm training and programming for who are going off jumps and who are making landings or who are doing drops. You want to be able to to have your body learn how to absorb that energy effectively, okay? So again, when you land, just imagine being in control, being soft with that landing, and really trying to stick it. Take a take a second or two and really stick that landing, all right? Now, let's move on because I really want to talk about some positives with plyometric training and how to really include that in your training. And what's really cool about uh, plyo training is that more isn't always better, which is generally the case for a lot of training, right? It actually doesn't take much to train plyometric training, okay? Current research really recommends a lower frequency training with plyo movements. And generally that that's about two to three sessions in a week. And it's only really three to six sets of maybe two to five repetitions or reps, which I mean, let me say that again. That's really not enough, not a lot. It's two to three sessions per week of only about three to six sets of two to five reps or repetitions. 
So again, it's not a ton. It's not a high volume thing. You don't have to go like CrossFit and have you do 25 box jumps. All right. It's just not necessary. And that 25 box jumps is in a set. Like you don't have to do that. All right. Now, one of my favorite ways to include plyo training in the shred strong program, for example, is to use it in the warm up. We usually do about two to four sets of some short burst movements at about three to six reps each to help activate your CNS before training and lifting heavier. And just so you know, when I, when I talk about CNS, that's your central nervous system, AKA your brain and your spinal cord. Your brain is the processing center of your entire body. So it's super crucial, especially when it comes to establishing a warm-up and really getting keen on that warm-up before you start lifting heavy. So before you do lift heavy, you want to make that that mind-muscle connection is what we call it in exercise physiology, especially before working out and again, especially before lifting heavy. I really recommend doing some sort of plyometric training to activate your CNS before one rep maxes, three rep maxes, five rep maxes, any, any lifting, honestly, any lifting, it will make you feel like, boom, you're just going to have that connection. Again, that my muscle connection is very magical and we want to feel magical when we're lifting. Okay. Now the best way to do that is plyometric training in my opinion. And I like to call this kind of plyo training, a primer movement or a primer for your CNS. This makes heavier weights feel lighter, seem lighter. And also it makes it feel easier to push, pull, squat, deadlift, whatever you're doing. Okay. Then sometimes I, okay. So I will always include plyometric training in the primers, except for those individuals who are maybe having to stay off their feet or hands or whatever because of recovering from surgery, things like that. So there are going to always be exceptions. All right. But for the bulk of the people that I train, 98% of the individuals I train, I will always include some sort of plyometric movement in the warm up because that's going to be your activation period. That's going to be your primer. All right. Now you can also include a plyometric movement in the bulk of your training. Sometimes I've, I've been known sometimes I include it in the cardio finisher. For example, if I do any type of, you know, three to 10 minute cardio finisher after the strength workout, or sometimes I'll pair it with the main strength movement of the day. Um, for example, like squats will be paired with, you know, some sort of jump squat or some sort of box jump or something like that, or a depth jump or altitude jump or something. Okay. Just to give you an idea, but generally speaking, I will always include a plyometric after a general warm up. So I'll do a general warm up, get people moving, you know, have them do some foam rolling first, um, or any type of trigger point that they might be needing to help kind of release slightly, slightly before they lift. Because again, we don't want to do any excessive stretching, static stretching, especially we don't want to do that. We don't want to do excessive foam rolling. We're doing intentional foam rolling to help kind of lubricate that area a little bit, make you feel more in tune with that area. All right. It's not foam rolling is not magical. Foam rolling is just something to help bring awareness to a body part or to a part of your body that you're getting ready to move and help kind of maybe relax certain knots that you might be experiencing or whatever. But ultimately it's just to bring awareness to that, that part of the body. It, it, again, it's not magical. It's just something that's meant to bring intention to your training because the more intentional your training, the better it will be in the long run. Okay. So I usually like to do some foam rolling, some dynamic stretching. Again, that's just going to take like a minute or two tops because I'm not spending a whole lot of time before I lift heavy doing that. Then I'm going to do some generalized core, 
you know, activation type of movement. And then I'm going to going to mimic the actual movement pattern that I'm going to be doing that day. So if I'm deadlifting, great. I'm probably doing some sort of good mornings, some sort of hip hinge movement, some sort of Romanian deadlift, something to mimic that hip hinge movement that I'm doing before the deadlifts. Then I'm going to be doing some sort of depth jump and things like that to help, to help activate my CNS, to help, you know, get me going, get me primed and going. Okay. And again, the warm-up's only going to take about 10 to 12 minutes tops before I actually start to lift heavier. And then we can go ahead and build off those sets. But again, primers, like including some sort of, of, of uh, plyometric movement as a primer in a warm-up is going to be ideal. Now you're probably wondering what the hell is an example of a plyometric exercise. I want to go ahead and give you, give you a list of a few things to consider. All right. There's jump squats, depth jumps, which I already talked about altitude jumps, which I also mentioned hopping, just regular hopping, kind of like you're almost like skipping rope just a little bit bounding broad jumps, split squat jumps, AKA like jumping lunges, uh, reverse lunged knee up jump, tuck jumps, jump squat with a heel tap. There's skater hops or, or they're also known sometimes as lateral jumps, uh, single leg hops and jumps box jumps, lateral box jumps. Again, that's not an exhaustive list, but it gives you an idea of how endless the opportunities are. And there's so many ideas out there, but basically I just want you to think about having some sort of explosive movement with a soft landing. All right. Soft controlled landing. And again, don't rush the plyometrics unless you really do want to kind of trigger something or maybe do some bounding jumps where it's one jump after the other, one leg, you know, alternating legs, things like that. All right. All right. So the friends, that's really all I have for you. I mean, today's a short episode. We're about 17 minutes in or so, not including the intro. And that's really what I wanted to get through today. Give you an idea of why it's important to include plyometric training in your programming and what it can elicit for you, and then some ideas on how to actually include it in your training. And again, again, this is something I include endlessly in my in my Shred Strong program because honestly, it just works. And even when I'm doing a movement that or a workout that isn't necessarily in Shred Strong, I'm generally always doing some sort of plyometric movement beforehand, whether it's a CrossFit class or something like that. I'm I go in early, I warm up on my own. And I know what I need to move my body effectively. And generally speaking, that includes some sort of plyometric training. So I would love for you to include this in your training. Now go easy. Don't go ham. Start small. That is my biggest suggestion for you is remember, it doesn't take a lot of volume and you want to make sure that you're warmed up before you do plyometric training. You don't want to just go out and start jumping. Like don't go out and start, you know, right now don't hit like pause and go out in your yard or your office or wherever you are and start doing bound jumps or broad jumps or anything like that. Oh my God, no, that is like a a serious ticket to, you know, rupturing your Achilles or injuring yourself or pulling a hamstring. Please know you have to warm up. It is best to warm up before you start getting into plyometric training. Okay. So like I said earlier, Warm up, ease into the warm up, get your, increase your heart rate, increase your body temperature, start to mimic the movement, then get into some, some gentle jumping. And then of course you can increase that, that time and duration and height as much as you need to. Okay. So ease into it, be smart about it and just know that it only takes a couple sets a week, um, a couple of times 
for maybe two to five to maybe six reps tops and it doesn't take much but i really recommend including it in any strength programming that you're doing for the day especially before you get started with your lifting all right well i hope today's episode was helpful for you if it was i would love it i would absolutely love it if you would share it on social media and tag me in it at shifthumanperformance.com if you are interested And actually, it's just at Shift Human Performance to tag me. But if you're interested, head to my website at shifthumanperformance.com and you can apply to work with me because, hey, I do have a couple of spots opening. I've got a couple of individuals who are graduating right now, and I would love to bring on some new folks for my nutrition or health coaching and or my fitness program because I do have one person uh, who's graduating from that. Oh, as I as I drop my little notepad on my on my aligners. Uh, so yeah, fill out the application form there, or just drop me a DM and inst- in Instagram, and I will reach out to you and get back to you about any any openings I might have for for some clients. All right. Anyways. On that note, I hope you have an amazing and beautiful day and I will catch you next week. Bye.